continuing in 1 Peter and our series on victory, victory over the adversary, and a life engaged. Peter's been writing to a brand new community of believers. They have newfound faith in Jesus. And in light of this new community's identity, which we've been looking at in 1 Peter, notice verse 9, but you are a chosen people. He's writing to us. He's writing to a community just like this crowd here in this room. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's our new identity in Jesus. He says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What this pastor Peter is trying to help this new community of Christ followers understand that you get to declare the praises of God in the place where you live. Praises to him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And so the question is, as Peter moves on into verse 11 of chapter 2, all the way to verse 11 of chapter 4, this next section, he's been talking about how do we live in a pluralistic culture? What does it look like to follow Jesus and be a citizen in the world in which God has planted us? He's writing in the first century, but we need to think it through in the 21st century. And this really is part two, continuing Todd's great sermon last week. And I just, I encourage you, if you didn't hear Todd last week, listen to it on the podcast. Part two, it's how you live. It's not what you say. So Peter is saying to these followers, it's how you live. It's not what you say. And he'd been talking about this, this culture, this, this relationship, first of all, with government. And he talked about the relationship with the economic system in which we live. And now he's going to move on into talking about marriage. This morning, we moved to chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to focus on wives and husbands. But believe me, what Peter is saying here is for all of us. Whether we're married or not. His wisdom is for all of us. I just want to remind you, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at a first century letter, when you look at the, 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 the writings of Peter to his people, you need to think context, context, context. In fact, I found this note from C.S. Lewis. It was a letter to a Mrs. Johnson. It's collected in all of C.S. Lewis's letters. And, and his words to her in 1952 were so helpful to us in understanding this particular passage today. This is what C.S. Lewis says. The Bible, read in the right spirit and with the guidance of good teachers, will bring us to Christ himself, who is the true word of God. But we must not use the Bible, our ancestors too often did, as a sort of encyclopedia out of which text, isolated from their context and read without attention to the whole nature and purport of the books in which they occur, can be then taken for use as weapons. And certainly some of these passages talking about slaves and wives have been used as weapons. I just want to say in terms of context that what Peter says in chapter 3 
to wives and husbands, it's not really a marriage manual for us to kind of follow to figure out how we relate to one another. There's great wisdom here, but look at what he says in verse 1 of chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And then verse 7 Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. You know, it's ironic. In the first century, when slaves and wives read and heard this text, it was liberating and empowering to them. And yet today, with our modern sensibility, sometimes we can read those words and almost cringe in terms of how we relate to one another in a marriage relationship. And I think the context, understanding what Peter is doing is so important for us in understanding what he's writing here as we apply it to ourselves today. So, so we've been studying First Peter and as we've been looking at this whole section in our identity and then how we relate in a pluralistic culture, I think Peter has been giving us three priorities. And I want to highlight those quickly and lay them out there as a helpful filter to understanding all that Peter is saying to slaves, to wives, to husbands. His first priority is be attentive to how you live. Be attentive to how you live as God's new people in an increasingly non-Christian world. How you live matters. And Peter over and over again highlights the importance of doing good. Making an impact in your community. The mural at Dotson Middle School is a great example of that, of the community of Christ followers finding places to do good in their community. Notice verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Verse 15. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Peter is very concerned about our profile in the community, our reputation in the community. He wants us to be doing good, whatever that looks like. Chapter 2, the end of verse 20. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And that's the context in which he says to wives, submit to your husbands so that even without a word, if they don't believe in Jesus, they can be one to the gospel of Christ. His second priority, besides being attentive to how you live, I think, is seek God's greater glory. Make God's greater glory your chief aim. And the elevation of Jesus as the Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can be born again to a new life and that people can praise God. You see it again there in verse 12, live in such a way that they'll see your good deeds and glorify God. That's our chief aim. 
He says in verse 13 of chapter 2, do this for the Lord's sake. We live for the Lord's sake. He's our highest aim. He's our greatest value in how we relate with one another. He says in verse 15 of chapter 2, this is God's will. We, we want to be a community of Jesus followers who aim to live out God's will. We have a higher allegiance. There's a higher allegiance that, that overarches everything that's happening around us in this crazy, diverse, pluralistic, changing world around us. And Peter is, is concerned for this key relationship between wives and their husbands. He says in verse 16, live as free people. <laughs> You're now free in Jesus. Easy thing to say to a slave. Hey, live as free people. And then he goes on to say, live as God's slaves. That, that's what we are. That, that, is, that is the overarching God's glory. I am your servant. I am your, your, um, your slave, Jesus. I, I will live for you and for you alone. And he says to the wives, this, this, this gentle spirit you have, it is of great worth in God's sight. And then the third sort of priority that Peter gives us, be attentive to how you live. Seek God's greater glory. Third, live under authority. As you seek God's glory, be willing to live under authority. Freedom in Christ does not exempt you and me from living under, and sometimes they're difficult, human authorities. That's his whole point here. Pay attention to how you live. Seek God's glory. Therefore, be willing to live under some sort of the order of the day, how, how the world is operating today. I will curtail my freedom in order that other people might know Jesus. And that's the context in which he speaks to wives. He says... In verse 13, hey, all of you, submit to every human authority. Verse 17, I think, might be the key verse for the whole section. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Then he goes on to slaves. Slaves, submit to your masters. Then he goes on to wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. And then in verse 7, I think he's telling husbands you need to submit too. Notice what he says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. I think that goes back to verse 17. It's true for all of us. So this is how I would summarize it. This is what I'm hearing Peter saying to all of us, and thus then we'll move into his comments about wives. I will pay attention to how my behavior impacts my community because I want them to see, meet, and follow Jesus as Lord. With this goal in mind, I will live with respect even when it is difficult within the order of the society in which God has placed me. I think that's the summary. I will pay attention to how my behavior impacts my community because I want them to see, meet, and follow Jesus as Lord with this goal in mind. 
I will live with respect, even when it is difficult, within the order of the society in which God has placed me. And therefore, he comes to wives, verse 1 of chapter 3, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. In the same way, it's within the context that he's been speaking to the whole community. Peter wants this newfound faith to get legs, to move forward. And now he's going to speak to wives. Submit to every human authority, show respect to everyone. Wives, in this context, I want you to submit to your husband. He is telling the wives, I want you to submit for a specific purpose. There is a specific purpose in mind. He says, so that, that's the key word, there's the purpose. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that, and then hear this, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over. This higher goal, I want my unbelieving husband and his friends to know Jesus, to meet Jesus, to follow him as Lord. And therefore, Peter says, in this context, wives, I want you to submit. He's talking to wives who have unbelieving husbands, and most likely there were many, many wives who had come to faith in Jesus in this new movement. And their husbands didn't believe in Jesus. That's true in our context as well. Oftentimes, a wife will come the river through a women's Bible study, through a study. They develop friends, but their husband is at home working hard. He doesn't yet know Christ. But in the first century, women lived in a highly patriarchal society. I can't even overstate this enough. Slaves and wives and children were under the total authority of the head of the household, the man, the husband, the master. And women in the first century were seen as inferior in virtually every arena of life in comparison to their husband. And therefore, women in the first century were extremely vulnerable. They were completely dependent upon being part of the household, which includes all the workers, the slaves, the children, the women, and they were all on the bottom rung. The first century father had the right when a baby was born to give a thumbs up, keep him, or thumbs down, get rid of him, throw him out. And literally, they would throw them out, particularly if they were a girl. Women were almost not seen as a wife. They were a possession and therefore vulnerable to the whims of this man in the household. So important to understand because the household in Greco-Roman culture was really the foundation of the civilization. We've really privatized our homes and our families behind our doors, but in the first century, everything was open because economics flowed out of the household. Slaves were vitally important. And so, the influence of a new religion, like this, this new Jesus movement that was percolating and rising up in the culture, its influence on and in the family was closely observed, even with a lot of suspicion. What is happening here? And so, a wife in the household 
who came to new faith in Jesus as they often did from their vulnerable position were looked upon as being insubordinate to their husbands. A lot of suspicion. This is embarrassing for the husband. Get your household in order. Get that woman under control. And thus Peter is saying, your behavior and how you operate as a new follower of Jesus creates a reputation. Let's pay attention to that and what that means. So verse 2, when they see the purity and reverence of your life, let, let this behavior in this moment, in this context, reflect beautifully on Jesus. Live in such a way to change the negative stereotypes associated with this new foreign religion. And that's something that we can learn from and live into today. How can we live in our pluralistic society, in this community, in a way that we begin to eliminate some of the negative stereotypes about Christians, about evangelicals, about marriages? And Peter tells the wives, do it without words. Now, he's not saying for all time, wives, please, please don't talk. Although your husband may have said that once or twice. Or your teenage daughter, I'm not sure, but it could be either way. But there is a time when eloquent silence wins the day. Not badgering. Not nagging that unbelieving husband was struggling so much with what this means and it's upsetting, it's upsetting everything. Be winsome, he says. And really, look at verse 21 of chapter 2. He invites these wives to follow the example of Jesus who stood before Pilate. And when his accusers were after him, Jesus was just silent. Jesus gave up at that moment and he has changed the world and offered salvation through his silence. And then look at verse 3 and 4. Peter gives an example. You know, every culture has their own sort of fashion sense and taste. So Peter says, hey, your beauty should not come from outward adornment Remember, this is a missional evangelistic strategy. Your adornment should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. What Peter's doing here is he's comparing and contrasting both the external with the internal. And saying in your relationship with your husband and with his friends and with the community in which you live, focus on the inside. Pay attention to how you live. When a woman in the first century was leaving home 
all dressed up without a husband escort scandalized the neighborhood. Women never went out alone. You find that in many places in the world today. Saudi Arabia, women now are just beginning to be allowed to drive. They're just now beginning to get driver's license. Can you imagine if we lived in that kind of a context here? Women, you stay home. Do not leave. And if you ever leave, you better have your husband with you. Scandal. It's not a scandal today. So this woman with this newfound faith, she's got hair up, you know, and jewelry and fine clothes out on her own. Oh, everybody was talking about that. We don't talk about that today, really, do we? Peter is not telling men and women not to enjoy the latest hairstyle. In fact, it might be scandalous if you didn't today. He's not telling us we can't wear gold jewelry or else a lot of us in this room would be in trouble according to what Peter is saying here. And he's not telling us we can't wear fine clothes. He's saying, think it through, the three priorities. Are you willing to live in such a way that you point people to Jesus and you help them understand who he is? And in the context in which we live in today, hairstyles and gold jewelry and fine clothes don't normally make that big of an impact, but it could. Peter says, work it out, talk it out, think it through, especially in your most intimate relationships. I will surrender the external so I can elevate the internal, so I can pay attention to what I'm doing, so I can glorify God. And I will curtail my freedom. I will limit my freedom for a greater good. That's what Peter is saying. And he wants women to focus on the unfading beauty of your spirit, which he says is of great worth in God's sight. I want you to hear that through the first century female ears. You are of great worth in God's sight. Yeah, you, you, you live with your husband. You live in this culture, in this community where, where women are, are, are held down. But you're of great value in God's sight. See, what we often miss in the flow of Peter is that it is absolutely remarkable that Peter directly addresses slaves and wives. That he picks them out, that he identifies them, that he, that he has a pastoral word directly with the women. Because nobody did that. That was the husband's job. Nobody spoke to the woman. The husband did. Now Peter says, in this new community of faith, I'm going to tell you, you... you you can pursue an unfading beauty that is of immense worth to God. For a woman to hear that, so liberating, so much freedom. Paul says, don't go crazy. Pay attention. Be willing to curtail your freedom. A whole sermon could be given on the end of verse 6, and do not give way to fear. Peter is telling these women, I want you to live in an environment where you are not operating out of fear. 
And I want to say this. I think it's important to say this because there's been some conversation about women in marriages that are really problematic. And some have used this text, this idea of wives submit to your husbands. He's talking about slaves, submit to your masters, even if they're harsh, even if there's harsh treatment. And this idea that maybe somehow this text would justify a Christian woman being silent and suffering like Jesus did in an abusive relationship where there's physical abuse. I just want to say and make it clear that there is nothing in Peter's comments to wives where they should stay in a relationship where they're being physically abused. No, no, no. No, you need to step back. You need to call the police. Peter has words of freedom and liberation and safety. And then he moves on to what we might call helpful husbands in verse 7. Wives, I want you to be winsome. Now, he moves on to husbands. Notice what he says in verse 7. Husbands, in the same way. This is the same phrase as he does to wives. Husbands, in the same way, going back to verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, to the order of the day. Verse 17. Be respectful to all people. I would suggest that in one sense in the context, Peter is suggesting to husbands there is a submission for you as well. Not the same as for your wives, but there is still the submission. Peter goes on to say, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Literally, this word considerate, which is almost a, a, a too soft a term, He's saying, I want you to live with your wives according to knowledge. Husbands, I want you to pay attention. I want you to have have, have a sense of awareness, a, a deep knowledge. I want you to be a student of your partner, of your wife. I want you to think deeply about this. Really what Peter is saying is revolutionary for the first century but still applicable today. I want you to live with your wives respectful and sensitive and considerate with a serving mindset, literally to understand. Be understanding of the situation of your wife. Nobody was saying that to husbands in the first century. Peter was. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner. There's a lot of debate about what does that mean for the, for the wife to be the weaker partner. I, I just want to say that I think it's basically two things. One, it's physical strength, particularly in the first century when you think about um, uh, outdoor work, manual labor, um, taking care of the household, the business. The man was just flat out stronger. Wild animals. So she's the weaker partner. And, and in, in some ways, that, that's true today, but, but we don't live in that same kind of world. So a woman could run a, a multi-million dollar company. She, 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 can, she can direct a, a, a whole military force from a computer. So, so the, some of this idea about, yeah, yeah, generally speaking, still today, men are stronger physically than women. But in so many ways, women are stronger than men 
You know, I ride my bike and I climb the switchbacks and women pass me because they're stronger than I am, right? Generally speaking, men are stronger. And Peter's talking about the position of vulnerability of women in culture, applicable today, too. I mean, sometimes men are crazy. You know, you ever been to a, a soccer match in, in, in certain, I mean, people just go bananas. Then you put alcohol in the mix. And men, men, are, men are crazy. And you think about abuse. So you think about sexual assault. And still today, Peter would say, that there's, a, there's a vulnerability there that you need to pay attention to. Live with understanding, with respect. Treat them with respect because of that vulnerability. And he says, live together with your wives with respect. And notice this phrase, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Do you see what Peter is doing here? Speaking to these women through the husbands and elevating their status and their stature as co-equals with their husband in the grace of life. You both are the recipients of the forgiveness of Jesus. You both now have a new identity. They're partners with you as co-heirs in this gift of life. So our culture has moved from a strictly hierarchical to a more egalitarian relationship with women and men today in the workplace and also in marriage in terms of our relationships. And so sometimes we can read these words and they feel so out of date. I don't think Peter today would argue with the idea that it's okay to adjust your relationship based on the the culture and the society in which you live. And so in one sense, it may be imperative for men and women to work this thing out. And Peter says to the wives, work this out with your own husbands. And for some of you, strong leadership from the husband is absolutely vital because some men have just checked out. They're not leading at all. And the wives are begging, please step up. I want to submit to some leadership here. My wife and I have been married for 34 years. And we really never have had a problem with this whole submission thing. Uh, Because she just does whatever I say. (laughs) I'm kidding. And I don't do just whatever she says either. We've worked it out. And she loved to submit to my leadership. And you know what? There's so many times when I submit to her leadership because she has wisdom, she has insight, she has strength. And it's something that we've worked out together that within, within the way that men and women are operating today, it's very doable. And sometimes when men land on this passage and they say it's all about submission, it really, no, it's not all about the text. It's not about submission. It's about you getting your way. It's about control. 
And Peter would say, you, you, you two, you need to work that out. And you need to keep talking. Keep wrestling with these issues so that you can come to a common mind and move forward in the right way. When it comes to the last idea, and sometimes I don't like the way the Bibles are laid out because many times there's paragraphs where there shouldn't be a paragraph, and most of our Bibles do put a paragraph heading. And verse 7 ends, and before verse 8, it says, suffering for doing good. But I want to ignore that and attach verse 8 when I say, finally, all of you. So let's step out of the wives and the husband's example that Peter's been focusing on, and let's listen to what he says then. Verse 8, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. So wives, whatever you've done with the be submissive to your husbands, and husbands, whatever you've done with understand your wife and live with her with consideration and respect, these are words for all of us. Work it out in your marriage. If you're not married, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or old, whether you long to be married or you hope you'll never be married. Peter is saying to all of us, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. Because Peter reminds us of those three priorities. Be attentive to how you live, because it really matters. Secondly, seek Jesus as your highest value the glory of God, that, that, that somehow in the way we live in our community, both inside and outside the home, at work and at school, that, that other people would, would take notice and the negative stereotypes of being a Christian would be eliminated because of our choices. We could lift him up and point to him. So therefore, I'll watch my freedom. I'll curtail my freedom so that humility could just flow out of us. David, why don't you guys with the worship team come on up? Because we're going to come to this table. And the, the interesting thing about this table is that it's the body and the blood of Jesus. His body broken for us, his blood shed for us so that we might be born again so that we might be recipients of this good news that Jesus might be Lord. And it brings us to the cross. And there's a thing about coming to the cross that men and women both come the same way. They come on the same footing, the same level. And, and Peter has done something here where, where it's kind of like um, this is a, a, a big like, like a big springboard, a diving board in a pool, and, and he's allowed us to come and jump off that diving board into the future. And, and though Peter didn't condemn slavery, and though he's telling wives, hey, I want you to be submissive to your husbands in this very restrictive context, he's inviting us to, to bounce off this diving board out into the future where if we take his word seriously, it was inevitable that slavery would disappear. 
and that women would be elevated. Yes, the, the, there is this, this pendulum swing that we go through. But we, we spring off this diving board. We work it out together. What does it look like for us to pay attention to the most vulnerable in our context and help them find freedom and life? In the first century, it was slaves and wives. Today, who might it be? So as you come to the table, know that you come to say yes to Jesus. I need you. I'm, I'm going to take you inside of me, and I'm going to live my life for you. So thank you for leading us and come when you're ready.